July 17th. As we look into the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. We'll see how Abraham was saved. Not by works, but by faith. Salvation is not like wages that you earn or works that you can boast about. Abraham was not saved by keeping the law because the law had not been given, nor was he saved by obeying a religious ritual. It was all by God's grace. We'll see how David was saved. You know, David wrote Psalm 32 after his great sin with Bathsheba. Can God forgive a man who commits adultery, deceit, and murder? The answer, of course, is yes. When David repented and turned to God, he was forgiven. Even though the Lord allowed David to feel the bitter consequences of his sins, God justifies the ungodly, not the righteous. And you will see how you can be saved, simply by believing God's promise as Abraham did. Faith and promise go together just as law and works go together. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation physically, but he is the father of all believers spiritually. At Calvary, our sins were put on Christ's account. When you trust Christ, God puts Christ's righteousness on your account. That's why we call the gospel good news. Now what can be more blessed than to know that your sins are forgiven? Hallelujah! And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 17th, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What were his experiences concerning this question of being saved by faith? Was it because of his good deeds that God accepted him? If so, he would have had something to boast about. But from God's point of view, Abraham had no basis at all for pride. For the Scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Workers earn what they receive. But people are declared righteous because of their faith, not because of their work. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who is declared to be righteous. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. Now then, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it for the Gentiles too? Well, what about Abraham? We have been saying he was declared righteous by God because of his faith. But how did his faith help him? Was he declared righteous only after he had been circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? The answer is that God accepted him first, and then he was circumcised later. The circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are made right with God by faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, 
but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? It's an argument from the greater to the lesser, from the hard to the easy, from the insurmountable to the easily surmountable. And it goes like this. If he didn't spare his own son, which is an impossible thing to imagine, that he would hand his son over to butchery. If he could overcome the obstacle of his love for his son and thus kill him, nothing would stop him from fulfilling whatever goal he had in doing that. Because that's the hardest thing imaginable for God. What could be harder to imagine for God than to give His Son up to spitting and beating and a crown of thorns and lashes and nails and spear and mocking and rejection and betrayal and abandonment and lying and the burden of the sins of the world. What could be harder for God than to say, I will give my infinitely worthy son to that kind of horror. Nothing is harder for God to do than that. And Paul's reasoning is, if he could get over that obstacle to our salvation, nothing would stop him from giving us with him, which is good for us. I wonder if you believe that. He is for you always in all circumstances without any exceptions if you are in Christ. Never against us. None of our sicknesses is a penalty from a God who's against us. None of our broken cars or failed appliances is a punishment from God. None of our marital strife is a sign of His wrath. None of our lost jobs is a penalty for our sin. None of our wayward children is a crack of the whip of God's retribution. What an amazing difference it would make in our lives if we believe this. Look to Jesus. Love the cross. Live in love and fear no more. Today we're reading Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. Four times David asked, How long? He had prayed, but God had hidden himself and not answered. David had examined his heart and knew of no reason why God should abandon him. The longer God waited, the more the enemy would succeed. When you have this same feeling, do what David did and talk to God with an honest and humble heart. Would God be glorified by David's defeat? Would God's cause be helped by David's death? Should the enemy rejoice while God's people suffer? David reasoned with God, but did not try to tell God what to do. You know, sometimes prayer means wrestling. 
and there was some affirming that went on here. Faith does not always give answers, but it does give encouragement. No matter how successful the enemy appears to be, you can trust the Lord. You can rejoice in the Lord, and you can sing to the Lord and know that He will always deal bountifully with you. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6, with the choir director, a Psalm of David. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice, because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord, because he has been so good to me. Proverbs 19, verses 15 and 16. A lazy person sleeps soundly and goes hungry. Keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising them leads to death. <laughs> 